The word of the Lord this morning is from Psalm 1, the first psalm. And let's go ahead and read this together from the board. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father, as we look at this introduction to your inspired songbook this morning, Lord, I just look at the wisdom of the psalm and recognize how so often I am prone to be attracted to the wisdom of this world. Lord, how prone I am to want to compromise. And yet, Lord, those who are blessed, those who walk with you, those who are find joy in the Lord are those who are set upon the foundation of your word. They've built their house upon the rock. And when all the rains and storms come, they are secure. Lord, when there's drought in the land, they give forth their fruit. And they stand in the last day in the judgment. And so, Lord, as we take this wisdom this morning and just meditate on it for a little while, I pray that you will move me aside. You know that, Lord, I come here this morning um, just tired. And um, I pray that you would go out before through your word and that your spirit would take your word and will implant it on the hearts of your people so that they would be more like your son. We all would be more like your son to the praise of your glory. It is in your name we pray, amen. Kind of looking through the year, I'm trying something a little different this year. I've... uh, working on sermon planning and, and kind of moving um, in that direction, looking at Sundays that are coming up and such, and thinking what would be a good topic to, uh, to preach on for that particular Sunday and such. And, uh, and as you know, this week, as we've mentioned, that um, graduations have taken place. Uh, we've got uh, at least one kid that's going to be leaving for Conway over uh, in the fall. And of course, we got another kid who's, actually, they're not kids anymore, really, uh, going back across the pond uh, to be home. And, uh, and I know many of you have kids and grandkids and loved ones who have taken that step, and they are now in the beginnings of their lives, and they are moving forward. And I just kind of thought, what is some wisdom that we can kind of share, not even really just a 
not even really an organized sermon per se, but just kind of a meditation on the psalm this morning and ask ourselves, what is some wisdom that, that we can give, some wisdom that we can have for our lives? And, um, and how can we provide some guidance for the future? And not just for the kids, but really for all of us, we all need this. And so I kind of thought Psalm 1 was just an excellent, excellent way of, uh, of sending them off into really the mission field. You know, inside these four walls are not the mission field. This is uh, kind of the holy huddle, if you will. This is, this is the team coming together to receive instructions from the coach. The, uh, the mission field is out there. The mission field is actually, on, is actually where you play the game. And that's where we're called to. And so, and, and in a very real way, we, every year about this time of year, we send off a new crop of missionaries into that world. And so we would just want to ask, what is some of the things that we can offer and take with them? And, and Psalm 1 is just a, a wonderful recollection. It's really an introduction to the entire Psalter. Um, I know that there are, you know, uh, some churches prefer to sing one kind of song. Some churches prefer to sing other kinds of songs. And, and, and I know that's been controversial in the past, but the truth is there's only ever been one inspired songbook. And that is the book we're in this morning. That's the book of Psalms. And to be honest with you, I think one of the, one of the biggest mistakes that many churches have made is that we've taken singing the Psalms out of the normal rotation of our worship. And um, I'm hoping that maybe at some point we can get back to that. Uh, I actually introduced a Psalter in my last church and uh, I would look in the I would look, I'd find a metrical version of the psalm and I would look at uh, kind of the back of the hymn book. You have a meter uh, index back there. I'm not sure if ours do, but I would find a familiar tune that matched the meter and we would sing it. And, and um, I gotta tell you, it actually went over really well. So anyway, just a, just a wonderful practice. And uh, this was the hymn book of, of Israel. And not only that, Psalm 1 is the introduction to that hymn book. Psalm 1 kind of introduces that this is what biblical wisdom looks like. This is, this is the introduction to it all. If you want to live a life that is exalting of God, a life that is full of the joy of God, the joy of the Lord, a life and a walk that's going to be blessed by God, then this is really the introduction of that. One of the best things about the Psalms, and I, I use the Psalms in counsel a lot because the whole gamut of human life is there in the Psalms. Every emotion is expressed. Every experience is, is reflected on. Every, uh, every interaction with God that you can imagine is here. And unlike the rest of the Bible where, where, the, where God inspired it in such a way where God is talking to us, this is an inspired record of us talking back to God. Do you want to know how to talk to God? Do you want to know how to have an effective prayer life? Do you want to know how, how godly people act and interact with God and talk to God? Beloved, the Psalms will teach you that. In fact, it was teaching through the book of Psalms that Martin Luther recognized that he did not have a relationship with God and began causing him to seek another way. And of course, he found that in Romans chapter one. And the great reformation began. So really, in a sense, the reformation began from the book of Psalms. 
And so just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. And so in Psalm 1, the first Psalm in chapter 1, it introduces with this word blessed. And you remember that back in the garden, you remember that God's intention was to bless humanity. And we see that all the way, that promise being worked out all the way through the Bible to where in the very end, we talk about being blessed. You remember we were in the Sermon on the Mount right now. And just a few weeks ago, uh, God, uh, excuse me, Jesus had eight characteristics, eight core characteristics of the Christian life. And all of them began with the word blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed. And we said that that term blessed, it, it doesn't just mean happy in the sense that we, our circumstances have, have made us happy today. But it's blessed in the sense that we have joy that comes from a life that is walking with God. It is a life of joy that, that really does not de depend on circumstances, but it is a life that is, that is increasing in joy every single year. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have bad days. We all have bad days. We know that. It doesn't necessarily mean that things are always going to go right. And it certainly doesn't mean that God is going to get you that Lamborghini SUV you saw this week while dropping off your kids and thought, man, that's cool. Doesn't mean that either. I don't know who's driving that car, but it's awesome. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, but it doesn't mean that either. But it does mean that no matter what the circumstances are, it means that there is a baseline, a foundation of joy that we walk in. Beloved, do you have joy this morning, that even though the circumstances may be going wrong, maybe it's not exactly the way you want things, maybe you're getting things you don't want, maybe you're not getting things you do want, but do you have joy? Do you have joy? And that's, that's really what the psalm is telling you, what you can have. And, and starting out your life and the principles of this psalm is such a blessing, such a wonderful way to begin your adult life. And by the way, it's also a great way to end your adult life, to, to finish off your adult life. And so don't think you've outgrown these principles. You haven't. And so Psalm 1, he says, who is the one that is blessed? Blessed is the man. And of course, by this, we mean man and woe man. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, or sits in the seat of scoffers. And so how blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the first thing we see, and, and of course, we see this in Paul, we see this in James, we see this all throughout the Bible, where we talk about this process of sanctification, this process of growing in Christ that involves putting off the old self, being renewed in the spirit of our minds, and putting on the new self. We've talked about that quite a bit because it is all over the scriptures. And that is essentially what the same thing that the psalmist is saying here, that the ones who have joy, the ones who have, have blessing in their life are the ones who are being sanctified in Christ. They are the ones who are growing in their Christ-likeness. And the first thing we see is that we must put off the old self. 
Put off the old self. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do, I, do you notice a... Um, do you notice an increasing there? Do you notice a, uh, a pattern? Is that when we say the one who walks not in the council, you know, one thing about walking is that it's temporary. You're never, you're never really in one place for very long if you're walking. You know, usually when we say we're walking down the street and someone asks where we are, well, I'm just walking past somewhere, right? And so I'm walking past this place. It's a, it's a temporary location. And so the psalmist says that blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel or the advice of the wicked. Now, when you think of wicked, what do you think of? You think of maybe the, the ones who maybe belong to your opposite political party, right? Or you think of the ones who do the big sins, the big cultural sins that we all talk about. We talk about the ones who are doing the big stuff, right? But you know, the term wicked, it, it certainly, that certainly applies. But that's not the full range of the word. It actually, in fact, the traditional translation is ungodly, ungodly. And what it simply means is someone who does not take God into account in their lives. In other words, they are living in such a way that God is not a part of it. They are living in such a way, their advice does not include God at all. They're, they, are, they are living, they are practical atheists, you might say. They may have a confession of Christ. They may say that I have accepted Jesus as my Lord, but one of the things that we often talk about is our confessional beliefs and our functional beliefs that oftentimes there's a gap between those two. And that what we say we believe and yet how we act on our beliefs are, communicate two entirely different things. We say that we trust in Christ. We say that we love Christ. And yet we live in such a way that seems to deny him. We live in such a way that, like I said, it's practical atheism. You know, according to, the, according to Hebrew thought, the ones who God inspired his word through, in Hebrew thought, your actions really tell the real story. That you can say you believe something, but if your life doesn't match, what your actions say tells the true story. And we have a proverb like that in our culture, don't we? Right? Talk is cheap. Walk the walk, don't talk the talk. The Puritans used to talk about professors versus, versus believers. Some, some will say today professors versus uh, possessors. So whatever it is, whatever it happens to fall into, blessed is the one, joyous is the one, the one who is walking in God is the one who does not listen to the advice of anyone who's going to leave God out. Blessed is the one who doesn't listen to any kind of, of counsel that's not going to bring God into the equation. 
The one who does listen to their advice, the one who does walk in that advice, something else is gonna happen. They're going to begin to stand in the way of sinners. Now that doesn't mean standing in the way as in like jumping in their way so that they can't go somewhere. Um, one of the reasons why I never joined the secret service is because if I've got time to jump in front of a bullet, the other guy has time to jump out of the way. And so I'm, you know, I figure, you know, that's his responsibility, (laughs) but okay, that fell flat. But anyway, but that's not really what it's talking about. What it's really talking about is like when my mom uh, was growing up at my grandmother's old house, when I grew up, there was a fence there between her and her cousins, But when they were growing up, that fence wasn't there. And they would play, and you know how young kids are. They'll get in a little squabble. They'll get in front of an argument or something like that. And so they'll take a stick. They'll draw on the ground and say, you better not cross that line. You better not come over here on my side of the line. And then, of course, you always know what happens. And then they do. And so you better not cross that line. You better not cross that line. You better not cross that line, right? And when you are listening to the advice of the wicked, when you are starting to adapt the mindset of the world, you know what you're doing? You're drawing that line further and further back. And you're giving ground more and more and more to where eventually you're going to be standing on their side. Beloved, I've seen so many Christians that I have been amazed at some of the things that they began saying and doing. Things that are so contrary to God's word. And yet, and, and they don't even see it. Where did that all start? It didn't start with the sin. Beloved, the affair does not start with the affair. It doesn't. Where does it start? It starts in the mind. It starts when you start listening to the advice. And sooner or later, the more you adopt their worldview, the more you start to stand on their side. But you know, the other thing about standing is that it's still kind of temporary, isn't it? It's a little longer than walking, but still kind of temporary, right? But eventually, you get tired of standing, and what do you want to do? You want to sit down. And the thing about sitting, I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, when I get home and I sit down, I intend to stay there. You know, I don't wanna get up again, right? And you notice that that procession, that you start listening to their advice, then you're standing in their way, and then what happens? Then you sit in the seat of the scoffers. At this point, it it is permanent. At this point, you intend to stay there. At this point, you have, made, you, have, you have staked out your ground. And why is it that so many young people, when they grow up and they get out of church, they, we, they, they go away and we never see them again? Could it be that because the church has not done a very good job of preparing them to counteract the wisdom of the world? Could it be, and and Brother Stephan, I think you'll agree with this, Mr. Apologetics here. I think you will agree that just because you believe the Bible doesn't mean you have a biblical worldview. 
And so often what happens is that in youth group, we're, we're playing games, we're ordering pizza, we're ordering ball tickets, but we're not teaching them the truth. And then we send them off into the world unprepared for the onslaught of what's going to happen. And I fear that so many of us are, are more influenced by the world than what we even realize. I fear that. And so, how do we respond? Verse two, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law, he meditates day and night. His delight, I want you to notice, this is not something that, you know, I'm, I just gotta check this off so that I can get through it today. But it is a, it is a delight, it is a joy that comes from reading this book and recognizing that every single text that you read is showing you something of what Christ is like. Is showing you something of his holiness, showing you something of his righteousness, revealing something from him that you need. It's revealing something from him that he has given you. It's telling you something about who Christ is and the kind of person that he wants you to be, and he finds joy in that. He finds joy in finding these principles, and he meditates on his law day and night. Now, that's a figure of speech. That doesn't mean all you do all day long is read and pray. You know, we're not talking about being monks here. But by day and night, we're using it kind of the same way that you would say something like uh, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. In other words, consistently, all the time. Every time there's a chance, you're, you're, you're not just reading the word, but you're meditating on it. You're reflecting on it. You're thinking about it. You're, and we talked about, you know, one of the things that I recommend is taking Philippians 4.8 and, and just turning those into questions. What is true about this? What is noble about this? What is, what is honorable about this? What is, you know, all of those things, whatever is true, whatever is just, what is honorable, if anything is praiseworthy, think on these things. Take those things, turn them into questions, and every time you read the word, ask those questions about what you're reading. In other words, you're reflecting on it. You're not just reading it, closing the book, and then forgetting what you read almost immediately. But you're reading it in such a way that it sticks with you. You say, Randy, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good if I get 10 minutes a day to read the scriptures. I, I'm doing good if I get five minutes a day to read the scriptures. Well, okay. Make better use of the 10 minutes. Make better use of the five minutes. Whatever it takes. But they meditate on it. He, he reflects on it. He stays there. He chews on it. In fact, the word meditation is kind of interesting. And, and I don't know this. Maybe some of you have experience with cows. Uh, I know one person has a neighbor that had a cow, but we won't mention names. His initials are, you know, Rob Porter. But anyway, so um, I don't know if you have had any experience with cows. I don't, but my understanding is, is that when they eat, it's actually kind of gross. They, they, they eat like food and then they chew it up, they swallow it, and then they regurgitate it back into their mouth. They chew it up again, they swallow it, and then do that again over and over and over again, just so they can get, uh, isn't that so appetizing? Aren't you glad I'm not saying this on Mother's Day when you're like going to the really good restaurant, you know, and you don't think about this? And so, 
basically what he's doing is that he's chewing it up over and over and over and over again to get every possible nugget of nutrient out of it. And that's what you're doing. When you, when you read the scriptures, you're chewing it. You're, you're reflecting on it. You're going over it over and over and over again. If you've ever worried about something and imagined it from every point of view, well, what if this, what if that, what if this, what if that? Beloved, you're meditating. Everyone knows how to meditate. We just tend to meditate on the wrong things. And so take what you do when you meditate and instead of, instead of turning it into worry, which is essentially sinful meditation, meditate on something good. Meditate on something pure. Meditate on something honorable. Think about it this way. How many of you guys ever got a love letter from your, from your, uh, from your loved ones? Anybody? I never did, but maybe you did. I don't know. Did you ever just read it once? No, you didn't read it once. You read it over and over and over again, right? And then you started to analyze it, you know? Dear George. Now, did she mean dear George? Or did she mean, dear George? Or did she mean, love, I don't know, love Sue? Or did she mean, love Sue? And you're just concentrating on every single word and thinking about it and reflecting on it as much as you can. That's meditation. That's what you're doing. And so blessed is the one who his delight is in the law of Yahweh and he meditates on his word constantly, consistently. Every, uh, it's part of his life. It's part of their life. You know, we always watch these movies and we always hear these stories about a college kid going to college and they've got the, eight, the big atheist professor and, and they're gonna you know, make them write God is dead and, and then you have to fight for your faith and all that, beloved, that, that does happen, okay? I'm not denying that, but you know what often more happens? You know what is taking most of our kids out of church? Busyness. I just didn't have time. Every professor thinks their class is the most important class, Right? Every, all of that, it's the busyness that tends to take away more of our vitality for God than anything else. And we can find busyness no matter where we're going. You may not be going to college. You may be going to work. You may not be, you may not, you may be retired. You don't even work anymore. And yet, you know, one of the things my mom always tells me is ever since she retired, she doesn't know when she had time to work, right? Right? Beloved, you don't have to be young to be busy. You don't have to be old to be busy. Busyness is something that wants to rob all of us of our vitality in God. In fact, there's a book I really recommend. It's a, it's, and the title of it is great. It's A Mercifully Small Book on Busyness. <laughs> you ever buy a book trying to slow down and, and then you're too busy to read the book? I bought a, I saw a book on a adult ADD one time and I thought, man, that's just cruel. You know, why would you do that? But busyness is the thing I think that robs us all. And you can be busy as a housewife. You can be busy working nine to five, Monday through Friday, whatever it is. 
busyness. What the psalmist is telling you here is take time out. Take time to reflect on the Lord, meditate on him, and make that a consistent part of your life. Day and night, night and day, when you rise and when you lie down, be reflecting on God. Be reflecting on his word. So what's the point of this? It's very quickly, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in its season, the leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. In other words, your roots will start to grow deep. And listen, sometimes life starts to get very hot and arid. Sometimes life begins to put the heat on. Life begins to be hard. We live in a fallen world and that does not change when we get saved, okay? There's going to be times that you're dry. There's gonna be times when you're empty. There's gonna be times when life feels unbalanced. There's gonna be times when Quite frankly, it's just hard and you're just tired. And the question is, how far have you dug your roots? Are you going to abandon God during those times? Are you going to say, well, when all this is over, then I'll get back in church? Are you gonna say, when when I finally, when this finally ends, then I'm going to go back? I tend to say that sometimes, don't you? The truth is, as soon as that's done, beloved, something else will come up. The, green, the grass is never greener on the other side. It really isn't. It looks good, but it's never really greener. And so the time to get back to God is now. Because that's the only time you've really got. It's the only time you've got. I don't know what your future holds. I don't know what my future holds. But I do know that I've met so many who have said that, yeah, I used to go into such and such church. I used to be so faithful. I used to do all this. I used to do all that, you know, 20 years ago. Well, what happened? And you hear their story and essentially they got busy. They started putting other things first. They started started walking in the advice of others. And now we haven't seen them in years. The thing about a tree that's planted by stream of waters is that when those roots go deep, no matter how hot it gets outside, there is a constant stream of nourishment that is hitting those roots. And it can be the hottest, it can be the driest, it can be the most arid out there, and yet their leaves are luscious and green and their fruit is in good supply. Have you ever noticed something about trees is that they don't grow fruit for themselves. They, fruit is really meant for others, right? And so their fruit is always in good supply. But look what he says in verse four. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that drives the wind, that the wind drives away. Whereas the, whereas the ones who 
place their roots in the word of God. The ones who are of the world, the, the wisdom of the world are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You may recall that in ancient um, agriculture uh, and when they are threshing out the grain, what they're doing is they are taking grain, they're, they're stepping on it and they're crushing the, the grain itself from the little shell that surrounds it, which is the chaff. And the nice thing about the chaff is that it is actually, it weighs more than the gentle breeze, but excuse me, the nice thing about the grain is that it weighs more, but the chaff is actually lighter than even the slightest of breezes. And so what they would do is they would, they would put all of this chaff and grain mixture into a little pan and they would just toss it up in the air over and over and over again. Ever seen this on TV or you ever seen someone do it? and they toss it in, and what happens is, is that because the chaff is so light, the wind drives it away to where after so many times of doing that, all you have left is the pure grain. And whereas the one who delights in the law of the Lord, his roots are deep and have a constant source of nourishment, the wicked, on the other hand, are, are feeble. And wherever the slightest wind of culture takes them, that's where they're gonna go. We've seen that, haven't we? Our culture is accepting stuff today that 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, you would have never even imagined. What happened? That's the way the wind blew. And the chaff always goes the direction of the wind. And so Paul says in, in Ephesians, he says, don't be uh, tossed to and fro, to and from by every little wind of doctrine. Don't be tossed by every fad. We see churches do this, don't they? They jump on every single fad there is. They jump on every single, ne you know, the next greatest program, the next bestseller, the next this or next that, whatever it is that's out there, they just jump on it before applying any discernment whatsoever. And over time, the church loses its, its foundation. It loses what it is that makes it the church. Don't do that. But dig your roots deep into the word. Meditate, reflect on the word. And ultimately, in verse five, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. Ultimately, the wisdom of the world will die. Ultimately, the wisdom of the world is gonna go away. As we read in our text today, and by the way, that's one of the reasons why in our scripture readings, I, I love, have you ever noticed that even though we're just kind of reading straight through a book, it goes so well with what we're talking about that day? Have you noticed that? John, in the scripture reading, he talked about this world is passing away already. It's already passing away. And beloved, the wisdom of the world is already passing away. This is not a future thing. It's happening now. Our culture is decaying now. This is not a future thing. It's been decaying ever since the garden. It's been dying ever since the garden. Every nation every business, everything follows this pattern of growth, plateau, death. Predictable, every one of them. 
I don't know where we are on that pattern as a nation. I don't know where we are on that pattern as a culture, but I do know this. The world is passing away, but the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And those who are in Christ will stand on the day of judgment. Beloved, why in the world would you want to ingratiate yourself and place yourself in a path that is dying? Why in the world would you take a job at a place that's gonna be out of business in three weeks? Why in the world would you do that? When there is a God who is offering you eternal life through the message of his word. He has sent Jesus Christ to die for your sins. He lived a perfect life. He lived consistently for God. He did not follow the wisdom of the world. He didn't sit in the seat of scoffers. He didn't, he didn't stand in the way of sinners. But he lived absolutely righteously before before God the Father because he was both God and man. And then he went to the cross and he died for your sins so that you can have forgiveness of sin. You say, am I a sinner? Yes, I am too. So is all of us. Anytime you disobey God or anytime you fail to be like God, that's sin. And yes, we've all done that. And the good news is, is that we don't have to pay the price for those sins, but Christ has died so that we don't have to. And if you will place your faith in Christ alone, turn from your sins and trust in Christ alone, you can stand on the day of judgment. You will have life in Christ. He's given you forgiveness of sins through his death and he gives you new life through his resurrection. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's offering himself to you as a rescue from the day of judgment. So will you come to Christ? Will you place your faith, all of your faith in Christ alone, turning from your sin, turning from your efforts of self-salvation and will you trust in Christ? Place your trust in him. Our Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for these principles and this wisdom from your word. I pray that you will take it and, and implant it on the hearts of however it needs to be done. And Lord, if there's one here this morning who has not placed their hope and faith in Christ alone, that they will do so, that you will draw them to yourself and that they will come to know Christ. They will stand in the way of judgment. And Lord, I pray that for those of us here who know Christ, Lord, and yet so often we are caught up in the wisdom of this world. We're listening to their advice and sooner or later we find, we, we find ourselves standing for things that are against your word, standing on the side of sinners. And then if we're not careful, ultimately we're sitting in the seat of scoffers people who are shaking their fist at God and shaking their fist at anyone who challenges them for God. Lord, if there's someone here like that today, I pray you would convict them. 
and that you would bring them back to have a delight in your word so that their roots will grow deep and so that they will bear fruit that glorifies you. Whatever our need is, Lord, I pray you would grant it in your word this morning. If you're here this morning, you need to come forward and there's something you want to pray for, something you want to be prayed for, by all means come. If you're here this morning, you wanna know how you can know Christ, I beg you to come. Let's all stand. I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads for a few moments and just kind of reflect on, let me ask you, how are you living in the wisdom of the world? What worldly wisdom are you following? Do you truly delight in God's word? Are you truly digging your, your roots deep in the grace of God? I pray you are. But if you're not, maybe you wanna be prayed for, maybe you wanna pray this morning, whatever your need is, you come as we sing.